The Athletic. Pulisic in behind and the flag stays down for now. Werner's up there with him. It's Christian Pulisic. He's away from Courtois. He scores! What a start for Chelsea! A goal in the semi-final inside 14 minutes and Christian Pulisic gets it for them. Champions League semi-final, you can nothing is sure. Even if we had a win here, everything is possible. It's half time, and uh, we need to fight for every centimeter and for every advantage that we want to have. We need to fight and deserve it. I'm a Real Madrid player, so I just want to win. Uh, doesn't matter if it's Chelsea against us or another team. I just want to win. But yeah, it's always good to see some good face, you know. It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, reflections on Chelsea's draw in Madrid, which leaves the Champions League semi-final perfectly poised after Pulisic pounces. We'll look back on one London derby and ahead to another, round up the rest of the Chelsea news, answer your questions and more. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Out of Cobham. Welcome along then, listener Matt Davis-Adams, back to talk all things Chelsea again. Liam Toomey is with me. Hello. As is Simon Johnson. Hello. And of course, Dominic Fifield. Hello. Well, let's not mess about. Let's get to Tuesday in Madrid. Real Madrid won, Chelsea won in the first leg of the Champions League semi-final. Then the bulk of the action came in the first half as Karim Benzema cancelled out Christian Pulisic's opener. It means that away goal gives the Blues a slight advantage going into next week's second leg at Stamford Bridge. If you want to read a tactical breakdown of Chelsea's approach to the first leg, the godfather of tactics writing Michael Cox has one up on The Athletic for perusal now. Uh, before we get to the game, how about the team selection? Uh, Liam, were you surprised there were no changes from, from West Ham on Saturday? Tuchel had talked about the short turnaround. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, Tuchel was all about intensity of pressing and a performance. And you could see, I think, from the turnaround um, from Manchester City to Brighton that Saturday to Tuesday that, that, that Chelsea looked pretty drained. For the second game, obviously there was a lot of other stuff going on that uh, mentally and physically would have would, would have affected them for that particular um, fixture. So I was a little bit surprised, but clearly Tuchel, I think, thought that I've got five subs, um, which makes a big difference compared to the Premier League. He, he felt like he had much more ability to freshen the team up after, say, about an hour, which is exactly when he chose to do it in the moment. And I think it worked because Chelsea built on their continuity performance at West Ham. I think they were much better, actually, than they were against West Ham in almost every aspect. And in the first half, particularly, they played at an intensity with and without the ball that Real Madrid just couldn't match. And it was a, I think it was a calculated risk from Tuchel because they're all risks at this stage of the season. They're all such consequential decisions. But it was one that could easily have put the tie to bed in the first half. It didn't because of, you know, problems that we're all familiar with, with this Chelsea team in the final third, but it could have done. And I think it shows really that Tuchel continues to make the big decisions that are putting Chelsea in the best possible position to win the Champions League and to compete on all these fronts. Dom, Tuchel said that he was surprised that that Real Madrid went with a back three. Do you believe him? Because he managed to work out how to, to counteract it pretty quickly. I'm not sure I do believe him, to be honest. It was, it just looked like a masterstroke. His selection up against that three, 
I mean, the the three Madrid centre halves laboured horrendously in that in that opening period, the opening half hour. I mean, it's all very well Chelsea sort of dismantling my inadequate mob at Sellers Park, but the way that they played against Real Madrid was superb. I mean, that's probably the best, my slickest attacking uh, approach play that they they've mustered under under Tuchel it was it was properly incisive created a lot of very presentable chances and and therein lies the frustration really as Liam mentions i mean it, the tie really should be dead chelsea was so dominant in that 30 minute period at the start of the game uh, to have only had one goal uh, advantage in 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 that in that time is 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 a source of frustration but the way that they the way that they found the space around and between centre halves, uh, in 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 beyond wing backs in in the Madrid ranks, and the way they bypassed Madrid's midfield as well, with with passes slipped through, quick passes slipped through by by Jorginho and Conte's running, and it, it was it was a properly dominant performance. And and look, it bodes well. Let's let's take the positives. It bodes well for the second leg as well, because if if Ramos isn't coming back in the second game, and, and Madrid feel the, the need to to match up like for like again, then I'd imagine that Chelsea will fancy their chances of making similar inroads. Just the one goal, then it came from Christian Pulisic, who is the subject of Simon's post match piece available on the Athletic. Now, uh, Simon, the, the comparison with Eden Hazard is is clear, if probably not one that that Pulisic particularly wants to hear. What what did you learn about Captain America last night? Well, the unfortunately for him, the comparisons will continue um, because of the manner in which he took that goal. I mean, it was very Hazard esque. Um, the sort of the the coolness under. Under pressure, the composure, the way he just sort of calmly dribbled round Hazard's Belgian teammate Thibaut Courtois and 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 calmly put it away. Uh, I thought it was quite amusing. It's almost like he looked up, saw Timo Werner, and um, having sort of seen him miss a sitter a few minutes before, went, "Nah, <laughs> I think I'll take care of this one myself because I know I can hit a barn door." Um, but no, I thought I thought once again it was a very mature performance. Understandably, he doesn't want to be compared with Hazard. I mean, we're talking one of the all-time Chelsea greats here, and he has a lot of work to do. I mean, Jamie Carragher's comments, which I, which I quote in the piece, um, he was working for CBS Sports, I, I think are, are pretty close to being spot on. I mean, Hazard was one of the best players in the Premier League for a number of years, delivered consistently. So for Pulisic to get to that level is, is a tough ask, but you can't ask for much more than than performing as he did in the Champions League semi-final. And I think, as, as Tuchel touched upon, generally the reason why he was subbed off and, and the others were subbed off was a bit of fatigue. And there is that concern, of course, about his fitness. But if he can sustain this form, just as he did at the back end of last season, um, it, it can only help Chelsea's attempts to um, secure their targets on all three fronts. It was a another very encouraging display. And, and what a turnaround since the last international break. It doesn't seem that long ago that we were getting questions from readers about Pulisic's future at the club and all this kind of thing. Well, now he's a now he's the go-to man. And, it, and if you were going to back someone to score the goal that might get Chelsea through to a Champions League final, you, you'd certainly back yourself uh, for, for Pulisic to do it. Yeah, first American to ever score in a Champions League semi-final. And let's take some Twitter questions. Bantu, not the only person to broach this particular subject. He asks, Timo or not Timo? I'd have probably gone with Team O. Um, but I get you. I get you just banned too, uh, Liam. It, it was the, um, the the main talking point of, of the first half in a lot of ways. Was was that miss? It's um, it's becoming a bit of an issue, isn't it? 
It's a huge issue and Timo or not Timo is actually a complicated question um, because I don't think Chelsea are able to play in the way they did against Real Madrid and the way they've done in a lot of other big games, you know, particularly against Manchester City in that FA Cup semi-final, without the other things that Werner gives them. You know, they It's like a principle of vertical spacing. That's what they call it in basketball. And in basketball, they're talking about a big seven-foot guy that can jump and dunk a basketball and what that does to a, to a defence. In football, it's a little really fast guy who has the instincts to run in behind and, and stretch an opposition defence and create space for everyone else. And that is really what Werner gives Chelsea that none of the other forwards do. I mean, Pulisic does it a little bit, but he does it more as like a wide forward than from a central striker position. So that is super valuable, and I don't think we can take away how big an influence Werner's contribution is to the kind of performance Chelsea are able to put on in these big games. But as much as they can't live without him, they can't live with him either, because at this stage of the competition, you just need to take those chances. You saw Benzema at the other end. You know, he he had a chance and a half in the entire game and almost scored two goals. And there's a world in which Chelsea lose that game 2-1 because Benzema's left-footed shot finds the top corner instead of clipping the outside of the post. And that would have been a travesty based on the way the game played out. But that is what ruthlessness gets you at this stage of the Champions League. It gets you everything. And the last time Chelsea won this competition, they had a guy in Didier Drogba who you knew if a big chance came to him in the biggest moment, he would take it. And he scored six goals in eight games on that run. Chelsea don't have a player like that this time that you would put that level of confidence in. And it's very rare to see a team like this without a reliable number one goal scorer win a competition on the scale of the Champions League or any other top competition in football. I mean, the only example that kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about it last night was France at the 1998 World Cup. They managed to win with Stéphane Guivache up front in a World Cup final. What about France at the 2018 World Cup with a current Chelsea striker? I guess so, but even... I mean, Giroud gave them a little bit more. They had Mbappe, who scored a fair few goals in that tournament. They had more reliable threats. But France 98, I thought, were quite similar to Chelsea right now because they were built on a dominant defence and a really talented midfield that could control games. And if that that's kind of the... That's kind of the model that Chelsea are trying to follow. But I just feel like misses like that Werner one. And of course, it was a Courtois save. It was a very good Courtois save. It was also a save he shouldn't have had the chance to make. I just feel like at this stage of the competition, you generally pay for missing chances like that, especially against teams with the experience and the quality of Real Madrid. Yeah, The only thing I'd add to that, and I totally agree with what Liam said, is... Um... And I'm, I'm sort of coming to his defence just a little bit. This is rare for me because I, I wrote a piece recently sort of saying, yeah, he should fight a bit harder to get back in the team. But we're basically talking about one chance, aren't we? If you actually think about that great spell Chelsea had, and it was a tremendous spell, how many saves did they force Courtois to make? They didn't actually make him work very hard at all. So there was just a question mark... So I'm, I'm sort of making sure that Werner isn't getting all the blame here. With Chelsea's end product, the final ball as well was, was an issue. I think some of it was uncertainty of where Werner was running and whether he was going to make a run. And 
you always get the impression that his teammates don't really know what he's going to do. But I do sort of think there are a number of times where Chelsea got themselves into good positions and didn't sort of make the most of it either. So it wasn't just down to Werner. I think um, the sort of the final ball was um, was lacking as well. Well, that's been a recurring problem all season as well, hasn't it, Simon? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no doubt right now, having seen what we've seen against Atletico over two legs, against Manchester City, against Liverpool at Anfield, and now against Real Madrid, Chelsea are playing well enough in the first two thirds of the pitch to win everything they want to win. It's just the final third that's going to hold them back, if anything does. So that leads us on to a question from Soham, Dom, who says, who would be our front three for the second leg? You've often banged the drum of Olivier Giroud on this pod. Would he be in there? I was slightly surprised not to see Havertz play on Tuesday. I thought Havertz would play. I, I thought that, but then I didn't I didn't anticipate in, in the way that Tuchel clearly did that, that Real Madrid would would leave so many open spaces uh, in in which Werner technically could could revel and 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 he did stretch them with his running and he did cause them awkward moments with his running and and make them wary so for all that there was a a bad miss early on in the game i think it's just you just have to balance it out i mean obviously we'll only know the significance of of that really after the second leg where chelsea will have to be ruthless i, I suspect and I mean, there was a period very recently where, much to to Liam's delight, Havertz was the main man. He was the number nine. He was he was the the bloke leading the line and 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 looked like the the first choice. But he doesn't offer the same threat in terms of in terms of the running in behind that Werner does. And it, it's whether the it's whether that tactic stretches Real Madrid sufficiently and allow other players like your mounts and your even your Conte's breaking through the middle as well into space, whether that discomforts Real Madrid enough to justify the fact that we now pretty much know that Werner will miss one glorious chance in every single appearance he makes. Um, unfortunately, that is just seems to be the reality. Even even when he scores a goal, um, he, he misses it. I mean, at West Ham, he missed a, he missed a sitter, didn't he? Despite scoring uh, the winning goal. But look, I don't know whether he considers Olivier Giroud an, an option anymore. He's, he's played such a bit part role, really, since since spearheading the the team's emergence from the from the group stage, um, and actually from from the the moment he scored that glorious overhead at, at Atletico Madrid, he's he's been such a bit part player ever since. I'm not sure that that he represents a, a player now that would start a game for, for Thomas Tuchel. He could come on, if, particularly if Chelsea are chasing the game and they need a different kind of threat. But I suspect that, I suspect it will be Werner at Stamford Bridge next week leading and, and, and with Havertz as the first choice option off the bench. Um, but, I mean, Olivier Giroud must look at that and, and, and wonder quite where it went so wrong because he was flying at one point this season. Well, joining us now to give us the Spanish perspective on Tuesday's game from TalkSports International and the Totally Football Show European edition, it's Alvaro Romeo. Uh, Alvaro, what was, what's been the reaction to the draw in Spain this morning? Well, uh, the reaction has been something like, wow, we managed to stay alive in this tire, uh, despite uh, how good Chelsea was. And uh, in fact, I just have to let you know what Marca and AES They've got in their front pages to understand uh, the respect uh, that 
you know, uh, everyone has for Chelsea now at the minute. Uh, Marca says, a draw to keep on dreaming. And AES had this headline, Benzema is the hope. So basically that is a very good summary of what happened. I mean, the draw was good enough for Real Madrid considering how superior Chelsea was. And uh, Karim Benzema uh, seems to be the only one who can actually... Um, unsettled Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I don't know if uh, Eden Hazard is going to be uh, much better physically in a week time. Possibly he's going to be better, but not much better. But at the minute, it looks like it's either Benzema who does something against Chelsea's defence or, or no one else. Yeah, that was the impression certainly we got on Tuesday. Thomas Tuchel seemed surprised that, that Zidane went with three at the back. Was that surprise shared by the Spanish press? Uh, not very, because uh, Zinedine Zidane knows uh, that sometimes he has to change his system. It's not the first time that he's playing with three centre-backs, especially since uh, Sergio Ramos' injury. Uh, the thing is that uh, Chelsea seem to be very well suited for the for the system because they've been playing like this for two or three months. And uh, in fact, this is pretty much Chelsea's Rosetta Stone since uh, Antonio Conte left that system there. You know, the, with the 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, Chelsea has been able to win titles and to make it difficult to, uh, to the opponents. Whereas Real Madrid doesn't seem that suited to the uh, three-centre-back system. And uh, you could tell from the beginning of the game, I mean, uh, Chelsea should have scored the, the first goal even earlier with Timo Berg missing that one in front of Thibaut Courtois. Uh, Courtois' safe was uh, unbelievable, by the way. Um, and yeah, I think that uh, there is an acceptance that Real Madrid uh, managed to escape alive from the game. You mentioned Sergio Ramos there. What chance of, of him and the likes of Mendy and Valverde being, being fit for the second leg? Uh, different cases. Uh, Fede Valverde he has to test a negative for a COVID test again, and then he will be uh, ready to, to play against Chelsea. Um, even though he's been 10, 14 days um, not training with the squad, and obviously this will affect his fitness a little bit, but yeah, he should be ready for Stamford Bridge. Uh, Fernand Mendy should be ready as well. And when it comes to Sergio Ramos, uh, he could be in the match day squad, but I find it unlikely that he will start against Chelsea. Uh, basically because uh, Militao and Varane uh, and Nacho, they've been really solid and reliable in the centre-back. And it could be a little bit too premature for Sergio Ramos to start playing against Chelsea, uh, especially with against the speed that Chelsea has up front with Pulisic, Werner or, uh, or Fidget himself. Finally, Alvaro, what can Eden Hazard do to, to salvage his, his Real Madrid career? Are Zidane and, and the club still still fully behind him? Obviously, they, they paid a lot of money and I think last night was his 38th appearance that he's managed so far. Yeah, I think that the, the club uh, publicly will back Eden Hazard, even though there is a disappointment um, because the player has been, what, the 10% of what he was for Chelsea, uh, for Real Madrid, and uh, they cash more than 100 million euros uh, for Eden Hazard. So I think that the fans, uh, they don't have a lot of faith in Eden Hazard, that's true. Um, there is not such a thing of as hate for Eden Hazard because at the end of the day there is an understanding that uh, he has been a very unlucky man in Madrid and I think that uh, the only thing that could uh, save or salvage Eden Hazard this season is scoring a goal against Chelsea and uh, preferably a winning goal or a goal that takes uh, Real Madrid to the final of the Champions League. Um, I think that uh, probably he will have uh, more playing time against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge than uh, what he had at Valdebebas. Uh, probably this coming weekend, he will be playing in La Liga in order to get a little bit more of uh, fitness ahead of the game against Chelsea. 
But uh, if you ask me something like, is Eden Hazard Real Madrid's hope? At the minute, he's not that hope. He hasn't been this season, and all the eggs are in Benzema's basket. I mean, if that man scores the goal, Real Madrid is more likely to go through. But uh, he is the biggest attacking threat of Real Madrid. Eden Hazard hasn't been that threat for uh, the reasons that I explained before. Physically, he hasn't been up to the challenge in the last two years. Alvaro Romeo there. Hear him on the Totally Football Show European edition, which drops every Tuesday. The second leg of the semi-final against Real Madrid takes place on Wednesday of next week. That's the 5th of May. Next today, we turn our attention back to domestic matters. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So on Saturday, Chelsea claimed a significant victory in their bid to get back into the Champions League next season as Timo Werner's goal gave the Blues a 1-0 win at West Ham. Um, Simon, this felt particularly significant after Liverpool had dropped points earlier in the day and then with Leicester winning on Monday night as well. You got the sense from this game that that West Ham would have taken a point, but that Chelsea felt that they needed all three. Yes, um, particularly with the fixture list that that Chelsea still have. And it was a real opportunity for Chelsea. Let's not forget that, that West Ham were without some key players. So it was a a prime time to play them. It, It looked like West Ham didn't sort of really sort of come out with much intention to win the game. Um, and Chelsea were comfortable for, for the most part. I mean, the, there's been a lot of talk about the Balbuena red card. I, I don't think that really changed the game. You know, it's a bit of a, a sort of question mark that, that people were sort of saying, oh, you know, what if? But West Ham had offered no real sort of indication that they could get back into that game. Chelsea were pretty comfortable. And yeah, I thought it was a pretty good performance, really, and sort of revenged, uh, avenged rather the uh, the double that West Ham did over Chelsea last season. They, they've they've now done it over West Ham, and, and a crucial six points in terms of that top four race. But I just thought it was important for Chelsea one to win that game to to go into to Real Madrid. But like I said, they've got such a difficult run in, and they've still got to go to Man City. They've still got to play Leicester. Um, Arsenal, even though they're going through a, a nightmare period as per usual, um, we saw on, on Boxing Day they can they can raise their game when when Chelsea come to town. So I, I just think it was key for Chelsea to get that little three point gap over the top four, um, you know, before these these run of games. Yeah, Don West Ham now three points behind, goal difference inferior by ten to Chelsea. Is it too early to to count them out of the top four races? These injuries stacking up, which, which almost feel as significant as the um, the points gap. Yeah, that, that seems to be the key. And look, it's a boost to them that Balbuena's red card has been rescinded and he'll be available again. I'm just looking at their run, and it's it's okay actually. I mean, Everton at home is tricky, given Everton still harbour hopes of of getting into Europe themselves, but then. You know, Burnley away, Brighton away, West Brom away and Southampton at home, that's considerably easier than everything that Chelsea has to have to play. So I don't think they can be counted out of it yet. And 
And to be honest, given that the season they've had and how resurgent they've been and how surprising that's been, I'm, 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 I hope they don't fall away, to be honest. I know this is a Chelsea podcast and we don't want to be encouraging others to do well, but that that they have had a, a brilliant, brilliant season and it, it would be a shame if they if they fell at the last. But yeah, you're right, injuries. The fact they don't have a recognised striker now, Antonio's injured, uh, Declan Rice has obviously sorely missed... Um, they, they've had issues at the back as well. Uh, their left side was pretty much decimated for the Chelsea fixture. So for them to to be in contention with that running ahead, I think they'll, they will still be encouraged. I don't think they'll be taking, they won't be too disheartened by the loss for all that I thought Chelsea were really, really impressive in winning at London Stadium. Well, next up in the Premier League, another derby date, relegation threatened Fulham visit the bridge. It's a game that kicks off at 5.30 UK time on Saturday. Um, Liam, any concerns that there could be a reprisal of the West Brom performance here? Well, Fulham don't have Callum Robinson, um, <laughs> which is a big plus for Chelsea. I don't, I don't think so, really. I, I, I think Fulham um, have built their resurgence really on their defence um, as much as there's been a resurgence under Scott Parker. They've they've been struggling to score consistent goals and that's not a good recipe for success against this Chelsea team given how few chances they give you to hurt them in a game. The the big test will be that Tuchel will have to make changes and the players that come in will have to maintain the standards that Chelsea have maintained so far. They cannot afford to get anything less than than three points from this game because as we said, their last four Premier League matches are tricky and they've got the Real Madrid game immediately on the heels of it. So they need to maintain momentum. They need to maintain performance. But uh, but that has been a pretty a pretty good strength of Tuchel's tenure so far is that he's, he's generally known how many changes to make, uh, where to make them in order to maintain Chelsea's performance level. Let's talk about those changes then, Simon. I wonder, obligatory Tammy Abraham question, I suppose. He might get a start. Maybe even Billy Gilmore too. If Kovacic is still out, might want to rest one of one of Kante and Jorginho. And, and here's a question from Richard who says, we hear a lot about Tammy's future. What about Hudson-Odoi? Started well under Tuchel, barely featured in, in recent weeks and, and maybe actually now third choice for that right wing-back spot. Yeah, it has been quite surprising. Um, for example, I thought the Brighton game... Um, where you, you kind of knew that Brighton would sit back and Hudson-Odoi has been very effective as a very attacking right wing back. Well, he's not even been a right wing back, really. He's just been another sort of right winger, essentially. I, I thought that was a, a strange decision, a decision that backfired, particularly that with Rhys James sort of looking fatigued. So, yeah, it, it has been it has been surprising and, and you do sort of wonder where Hudson-Odoi is going to get his minutes. You know, perhaps Fulham... Fulham is a possibility, but then Rhys James would be arguing that he, he should be starting in that position, having only come off the bench against Real Madrid. He's not the only one. You know, I think Billy Gilmore, I'd be, I'd be surprised, you know, given that he, he's not been trusted essentially since Tuchel took over. He's only sort of made a couple of appearances in the Cup, I think, to suddenly bring him in for, a, as Liam said, a, a must-win game. I'd be surprised. And Tuchel did sort of really highlight post-Real Madrid the significance of having the extra day's rest. It's a Saturday, Wednesday, rather than a Saturday, Tuesday of the week before. And that, for me, I just sort of think he's, he's going to go with his trusted lieutenants. I, I can't see him making a change there. 
someone like Ziyech, I, I, I think will come in. Um, he was obviously very close to making the lineup against Real Madrid, Havertz, but I think mostly we're going to see a, a pretty solid team because even though Tuchel has made changes, I think he's starting to make less. We're not sort of seeing the five, six, seven changes that he seemed to be doing on a on a regular basis. He's now seems to be going right. This is my trusted group. I'm going with them and just making the odd change here and there just around the edges. Liam, I'll put this to you. Ruben Loftus-Cheek obviously not going to play for Fulham this weekend due to the terms of his loan from Chelsea. It's not exactly gone brilliant for him there. Do you, do you see any future for him back at Stamford Bridge under Thomas Tuchel? Uh, it's it's hard to make the case at the moment. But it's it's also hard to make the case for him being sold this summer because he's on a big contract. He hasn't, not necessarily through through entirely fault of his own. Um, he's not played up to the level of that contract for quite a while now. So I can't imagine he will have a massive amount of interest at the sort of level that would make it attractive for Marina Granovskaya to sell. And so he, he could be a little bit stuck here. I mean, when you look at the system that Tuchel is playing right now, with the caveat that we don't know if Tuchel will still be playing it next season... In this current system, there isn't really a position for Loftus-Cheek. He's he's more of a box-to-box midfielder. Tuchel likes his central midfielders to sit deep and control the game. And he he's not really a natural fit for one of those front three positions either. And Chelsea already have plenty of options for, for those spots. So I don't really see a position for him in the squad as it stands. He would have to come in and really make an impression on Tuchel in pre-season. For me... It, I think at the moment, the likeliest option looks like him going out on loan somewhere else again next year and just hoping all parties involved, hoping that it goes better than this Fulham experience has. Right. I want to finish our Fulham preview with a very quick quiz. I would like the three of you to name five players who played in the Premier League for both Chelsea and Fulham. Loftus Cheek, Scott Parker, Damien Dunn. Damien Duff, Olerena, flying through these, Dom. Sherla. Sherla is a good one. Yes, there you go. You did it in seconds. Fabulous. Uh, I also had Steve Sidwell. Yes. Steve Sidwell, yeah. John Harley. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Good one. And Wayne Bridge, who had a random... Oh, wow, yeah. Fulham and then went back. I forgot forgot that Harley played for Fulham. Mm, Did Alexi Smirtin play for Fulham? Yeah, right at the end of his career. Yeah, on loan. Good, that was fun. I thought it was going to take a lot longer. <laughs> Fulham, are, Fulham are clearly going down. Yeah, seven points from safety, five to play is the, is the position that they're in. But um, uh, this has surprised me, and I'll give my uh, my own quiz question back. How many away games have they lost this season in the league? They've lost 16 games altogether. Let's How many say away games away? A surprisingly known at low number. I'll say six. Five. Five away defeats in the league. Their, their home form has been appalling. They've only scored nine goals at Craven Cottage. But there's a resilience about them away from home, um, which, look, is uncharacteristic in, in terms of Fulham's recent brushes with the Premier League. So I'm gonna. I'm sitting here thinking, are they going to go into... This is my prediction. <laughs> this is the prelude to a Dom prediction. 6-0 <laughs> Chelsea, clearly. But um, it's... I think that they'll they'll be stubborn and um, opponents to break down, and it may be an occasion where they where Chelsea 
lean on a the cleverness of a Ziyech or a, the subtlety of a Havertz to to try and break them down because last chance saloon isn't it for Fulham now they have they have to get something out of that game and maybe that that means that they open up a bit more and there are a few more opportunities but but that away form is encouraging for them it's happened too late um to keep them in the division I suspect but um it's 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 so uh, there's a resilience there that is uncharacteristic yeah I'm worried now I'm just looking at it they haven't lost away from home in the Premier League since the 5th of December and that was at Man City and that's only one of two occasions that they've lost by more than one goal on the road all season. Half past five Saturday kickoff for that. Anyway, we'll react to it in next week's pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, since we last spoke, the women's team took a big step towards retaining the WSL title as they held closest challengers Manchester City to a 2-2 draw in Manchester last week. Means Emma Hayes side two points clear of City with two games to go. Those against Spurs on Wednesday of next week before finishing we're the home game against Reading. Before those matches, though, the Blues played the second leg of their Champions League semi-final against Bayern Munich on Sunday at Kings Meadow. Chelsea trailed 2-1 after the first leg last Sunday. Former Bayern player Melanie Leupold's got the fortuitous Chelsea goal and will be joined by the Athletics' Katie Wyatt in next week's pod as we look back on the tie. The men's under-23s beaten 4-2 at Man United last Friday night as their PL2 season winds down. Blues keeper Lucas Bergstrom was sent off early in that one. I'll be commentating on the penultimate game of this season against Blackburn this Friday. That's a 7pm kickoff available via the usual Chelsea social platforms. And the under-18s have three games of their league season to go, the next of which is at Spurs on Saturday, the 8th of May. Right, before we go, let's see what the champs have been working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. We'll start with you, Dom. So I did an interview last night via Zoom with uh, a former Brentford and, and Leicester player called Dennis Gempfey, um, who grew up in West London and always dreamt of, of playing for Chelsea, actually. Uh, he's now playing at Dynamo Zagreb, of all places. And uh, I only mention it, really, because he, as a as a former teammate of N'Golo Conte's at, at, at Leicester, he came up with this fantastic quote about him, which I think sums him up. This is about him in, in, in training. He's like a mosquito. So annoying, so good. He's got horse lungs. So I mean, it's a mosquito <laughs> with horse lungs, which I think is, yeah, that's a decent analogy from, from old Dennis. Um, so I'm hoping to, to get that out for some point next week. Excellent. Looking forward to reading that. How about you, Liam? I'm writing a piece about Timo Werner and big chances and uh, and whether, you know, how representative what we're seeing this season is of the player that he's been over the last three or four years in terms of his conversion of big chances. And you will also finally be getting to read my interview with Alexi Smirtin, which now looks like because there was so much stuff that came out of it, uh, we may well be running in two parts, but the first part will be coming out this week. Is one of them the Fulham years? <laughs> <laughs> That's part three. <laughs> The Fulham year, Dom. The Fulham year. <laughs> uh, how about you, Simon? We mentioned your Pulisic piece. Uh, what else are you going to be working on in the, the coming days? Yeah, one of the pieces that attracted a bit of attention that I wrote post-West Ham was throwing out the question to Chelsea fans, essentially, are Chelsea entertaining and do you care? Um, because there have been quite a few games under Tuchel, and this is not meant to be as a criticism, it's just a something to debate. Let's just say that they've not exactly been first on match of the day. Um, <laughs> they, you know, Chelsea won the game, but 
has the game itself been that memorable? Um, it's attracted a bit of comment. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's great that Chelsea could even sort of be having this kind of thing to worry about. You know, that, uh, I mean, I don't think it, it matters too much at the moment. It's all about results and he's doing a wonderful job, but you can imagine Roman Abramovich might be hoping for a bit more next season. Um, it might help if, uh, strikers put the ball in the back of the net, as we've already discussed. And, um, the, the other piece, um, that's up on the site, which I still think is, is relevant, particularly with the second leg, uh, sort of delicately poised to, to use a cliche. Um, it is a piece I did with Dermot Corrigan as a Spanish correspondent on Eden Hazard. Um, of course he came off the bench the night before last night, whatever day it is today. Um, and, uh, yeah, clearly, clearly not the hazard that we, that we came to, to know and love and appreciate when he, in a Chelsea shirt. But there's a big reason for that. We go, we talk about that, uh, in the piece that the sort of the, all the injury issues, but also this prospect of if hazard helps not Chelsea out, that, that Chelsea will benefit potentially financially if Real Madrid go on to win the, the Champions League because one of the add-ons will be triggered in that huge uh, transfer deal that Chelsea agreed with Real Madrid a couple of years ago. So go check it out. Let, let's hope Hazard doesn't come back to haunt Chelsea, but he, he uh, so I'm reliably informed, he, he does see that he's going home to his garden. He's very much looking forward to appearing on that pitch, which he graced so many times so wonderfully. Yeah, it's a shame there can't be supporters there to give him a proper welcome back. Theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you're not currently a subscriber. Many thanks to Simon, to Liam and to Dom and to producer Lucy, mainly to you though, listener, for joining us. We'll be back in our Monday slot next week. Do join us then if you can. From all of us here though, it's bye for now. The Athletic.